0: Welcome to the Luke Messias Show. If you happen to watch this show, you notice a slightly different background. That's because things are constantly changing, evolving, growing, and moving in the right direction here at Texas Scorecard and the Luke Messia Show. And part of the tweaks we're making headed into next year, there's a slightly different set for our show. So I hope you enjoy uh, the new look and feel. And if you are one who listens to us, the vast majority of this show's followers are actually podcast subscribers. Uh, you're not going to have anything different. So we're good to go. Guys, here's what we're going to cover today. Dade Phelan does not have a public list of supporters. And the reason he won't publicize which Republicans are or are not supporting him for re-election is because I honestly don't have any idea how many of them do really support him. Many of them are distancing themselves from him. Our former vice chair of the Texas GOP came out basically and said that she does believe that some children should be murdered and that she does not like the abortion ban that passed in Texas. Dan Patrick Reminded everybody of a rule that he has in the Senate that I think really just continues to be an example of how the Senate operates very differently than the House. Frederick Frazier, a sitting House member, is a criminal and will be pleading guilty to crimes against his political opponent. I doubt we're going to see him impeached for that. He'll probably continue to get great committee assignments because that is par for the course in the Texas House of Representatives. And Greg Abbott is making some great endorsements. In the Republican primaries. This is what we're going to cover for you today. Let's get to the show. I want to start today by talking about the fact that Speaker Dade Phelan has not listed anywhere a public list of endorsements for his reelection to Speaker, meaning members of the Texas House that actually support him keeping the gavel next session. They're not asking for pledge cards. They are worried. They're constantly calling around to members and talk to them about a motion to vacate the chair and anything that's going to happen in Austin. They're worried that the votes might not be there for him to stay in power, but they're not publicly listing any members, anywhere. And not only that, I will tell you, if you look at social media, even people that are like really just pawns of Dade Phelan, Jared Patterson, Cole Hefner, Dustin Burroughs, they're distancing themselves. They're not liking his tweets as much. They're not retweeting him. I know that sounds really kind of insider baseball, but you have to understand that people look at that. Lacey Hole, all of the again, kind of pawns, and let's say Dustin Burrow is, isn't a pawn. He's probably like a rook or a bishop or if you know the game of chess, but the rest of them are kind of there on the front lines, just the little ones. They're not engaging with the Speaker's messaging. They're not pushing out his attacks on Dan Patrick when he comes out and attacks the Lieutenant Governor. Very few of his sitting Republican members actually go to his defense at all. He's not even asking members, will you support my re-election as speaker? He's in a very vulnerable place. Public polling that's been released has shown that his favorabilities in January, only 10% of his voters, Republicans, didn't like him. By the end of the session, that number was in the high 20s. And now it's almost 50% of the Republicans in his district that don't like him. I actually uh, tweeted out his TV ad that he's running. I mean, he's running this hardcore TV ad that talks about all the crazy stuff he's doing, all the good stuff he's fighting for. I mean, you watch his TV ad, you'd think he was the second coming of Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, all wrapped into one. So why is he not being surrounded by Republicans in his own chamber, pushing his stuff. He's picking a fight with Dan Patrick. He's already picking a fight with the governor. He's against Ted Cruz. He's against the Republican Party of Texas. This guy continues to drive his party, to try to drive his chamber further to the left, while all of the other institutions and movements in our state are moving to the right. And one prime example of the coalition that's building to the right of Dave Phelan is Governor Greg Abbott who I think is honestly leading the charge at this point to reforming the Texas House of Representatives. Last week, he came out and endorsed Mike Alcott for state representative against Glenn Rogers. Now, Glenn Rogers is one of the most liberal Republicans in the Texas House. He's honestly like the biggest jerk. When I run into Glenn Rogers in Austin, okay, so if you do what I do, There's a lot of Republican lawmakers that you have criticized before. Okay. I will run into them in the Capitol. I'll be in the Capitol or downtown Austin walking around and you'll run into a chairman or another Republican lawmaker, maybe even somebody you helped run a campaign against or a PAC that I worked with, maybe criticize them, right? An organization that I am closely aligned with sent mail into their district. I don't know, but there's a good chance if you're a moderate Republican or somebody who's playing games with Dade Phelan, I might have even criticized you on this show by name. So the truth is, uh, there's a decent amount of Republicans in the Texas House of Representatives that I have criticized. But most of them still handle the reality of politics professionally. You're against somebody one day, you might be with them the next day. You run into them, you talk about a bill they filed that you like, or you talk about a a vote they took on an amendment that was good. And I'll I'll often try to focus on that. If If you're a state representative, let's say you work hard and the conservative you want to win loses. And so your state representative is less than a conservative fighter. Whenever they do do the right thing, you should still encourage them. Hey, I saw you vote right on that amendment that some of the more moderates were voting wrong on. Thanks for doing that. Anyways, I'll try to look at, find common ground with people. Glenn Rogers, I mean, he he just can't interact with people he disagrees with, okay? So he's like one of the biggest jerks in the Texas Capitol. He, um, and then his opponent, Mike Alcott, is a lifelong diehard conservative patriot activist in the state of Texas. This guy has been in the fight since 2012, helping elect conservative lawmakers to the Texas House of Representatives, Matt Krause, Jonathan Sticklin, Matt Rinaldi, donated to their campaigns, block walked for their campaigns. Mike's a good friend. And I know that he would be a strong conservative fighter in the Texas House of Representatives. And last week, Governor Greg Abbott came out and endorsed him. And the reason that is such a big deal is that two years ago, Mike Alcott ran against Glenn Rogers in Parker, Stevens, and Palo Pinto counties. This is all west of Fort Worth. And he lost by 300 votes. And Governor Greg Abbott endorsed Glenn Rogers and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on Glenn Rogers' campaign. So when I say Governor Abbott right now seems to be leading the charge to change the Texas House of Representatives, that is... I'll, very different than the way Governor Abbott has conducted himself in past elections. There are some times that he's endorsed the right person, but many times, and I've talked about it on the show a lot, Governor Abbott and I disagree in the open seats, in the incumbents he decides to protect, and we will have some disagreements. I talked about this last week a little bit, but the fact that he came out and endorsed Mike Alcott, somebody who has been on record and public about the fact that the Texas House of Representatives has to change, speaks volumes to just how focused Governor Abbott is on creating an environment where he can pass school choice. See, that policy won't pass if the current culture and environment stay the way it is. It won't, it won't it won't happen. You can't have an environment where a couple dozen Republicans can vote with all the Democrats, kill a GOP policy, and still be empowered by the Speaker, still be given great places of prominence in the Texas House of Representatives, still be placed on powerful committees. That's the current status quo. And Governor Abbott knows that you have to remove some of these people to stop that from happening. Very focused on his most important issue, which is school choice, which now aligns very much so not only on policy, but also in the politics of changing the Texas House. So Governor Abbott's endorsements continue to seem to be moving in the right direction. That is encouraging. Now, you might be working actively in your district to get rid of a bad Republican incumbent who Governor Abbott has endorsed, okay? So understand, I get that. I am supporting a lot of candidates who are running across the state of Texas personally who Governor Abbott has endorsed the incumbent that they're challenging, right? So I'm not saying I agree with the governor every single time, but He definitely is a major political force, and at this point seems to be far more for good than it is for bad when it comes to changing the direction of where the state of Texas is headed. I want to play a clip for y'all of something that Dan Patrick said earlier, and this was actually something he was talking about in regards to casino gambling passing in the state of Texas. I'm against casino gambling. Most conservative Republican activists are against casino gambling. Remember, this is government-sanctioned, oligarchic, uh, regulated, like a couple licenses handed out to a couple people to say, you can prey on all of our citizens take a massive amount of their money, give us some of it in tax revenue, you still make billions of dollars and you're gonna largely make this money from people who are already on government programs and welfare, you're going to tear down families, you're literally like the the casinos said that some of this money we're gonna put towards like addiction hotlines and stuff like that just because we know we're gonna hurt society and families in general. So we're gonna like throw some money at some programs that will help all of the societal ills that we will then, you know, domestic violence is gonna increase. It's just tremendously bad. So the Texas Senate acted as a stopgap for expanded gambling in the state of Texas. And when pushed on it, Dan Patrick talked about why. So let's play this clip. I do not split my Republican caucus. And what I mean by that is we have 19 Republicans. If there's a bill coming to the floor that's gonna be a 10-9 vote of Republicans, I don't bring it to the floor. I don't care what it is. I want you to recognize the bar that Dan Patrick has set. You can pass a bill in the Texas Senate with a minority of Republicans, okay? You can. It is possible to do that. But the lieutenant governor of the state of Texas has decided that if a bill is going to pass in his chamber, a majority of the Republican caucus needs to support it. Understand what we talk about when you create an environment where even the wrong people want to do the right thing. If you allowed six, seven, eight Republicans to pass a bill in the Senate without the rest of their Republican colleagues, you would get the most moderate members of the Senate caucus and they would all go to the Democrats and they'd say, hey, what if y'all all sign on to this bill that we know the conservatives in our caucus won't support? And if y'all do that, we can still get this policy across the finish line. And they'd take a bunch of bills that Dade-Felan's already passing, because that's pretty much how they operate over there. And it would start flying through the Senate. So Dan Patrick has said, even if you have the votes to pass the bill, if you don't have a majority of the Republican caucus, we are not pushing this bill. What he was also saying is that, you know, Maybe they have a few more on sports gambling than they have on casino gambling. But when it comes to casino gambling, they I, I don't know any senators that they have on it that have said, I am with them on casino gambling. So I just remind everybody of the difference when it comes to Dan Patrick and the way he governs his chamber and Dade Phelan and the way he governs his chamber. By the way, speaking of the other chamber. Frederick Frazier, state representative from McKinney. This is the guy who replaced Scott Sanford, who uh, Scott Sanford replaced Ken Paxton. Okay, so Ken Paxton ran for Senate. Scott Sanford ran to replace him. Scott was in the Texas House for a long time. I mean, I would say a long time, maybe, I don't know, 10 years, and then stepped down and Frederick Frazier ran in his place. Um, Frederick Frazier is going to be pleading guilty this week. And he will be pleading guilty on two counts. One will be tearing down his opponent's sign. He went to his opponent's sign and tore it down. And the other is impersonating a public official. And essentially, if I understand the story correctly, he went into a Walmart and basically impersonated a city code official in Walmart, okay? And here's the crazy thing. Frederick Frazier is a police officer, which means that he understands and knows that it is a felony to act as though you are somebody from the government when you're not from the government, okay? So if I pulled you over, put some lights on my car, and say, hey, I'm a cop, and I stop you, I've committed a crime. And the same way, if you walk into Walmart and say, oh, I represent the city's code enforcement, and those signs, those political signs out front that happen to be my political opponent, Paul Chabot, yeah, uh, you gotta take those down. I'm from the government. I'm here to help. That's what Frederick Fraser did. So he has pled them down to misdemeanors instead of felonies. So he's going to take a plea deal, And plead no contest on one and guilty on another. He is going to be forced to resign from the Dallas Police Department. So Frederick Frazier's job is he works... Actually, he's a union guy, the Dallas Police Officers Association. And I don't know his entire bio. I think at some point he was just a cop and probably made his way up in the police force in different areas. Became really involved in the association. So Frederick Frazier is going to resign from his job due to pleading guilty on these crimes, he has pled them down from a felony so that he can stay in the Texas House of Representatives. So here's the question. What is Dade Phelan going to do about this? Is Jeff Leach going to be outraged and withhold his support? Think of this, Jeff Leach, is literally like in the same county as Frederick Frazier. Jeff Leach got up and said, Oh, we have to, we, we have to basically take Ken Paxton and declare him guilty of crimes. Jeff Leach just a couple weeks ago called Ken Paxton a sophisticated criminal on live television. Ken Paxton has not been convicted of a single crime. Okay. Now, will Jeff Leach admit that Frederick Frazier is an admitted criminal? Did you know you can watch Texas Scorecard on your TV? If you have a Roku or Apple TV device, download the free Texas Scorecard app. There you can find all the great Texas Scorecard video content, like Daily Headlines, The Luke Masia Show, Heads Up, and Scorecard documentaries. Download the Texas Scorecard app for free on Roku or Apple TV. Will he say that Frederick Fraser shouldn't run for re-election? Will he say that Frederick Frazier is not fit to hold the office? Will he file articles of impeachment against Frederick Frazier? I doubt it. Will Frederick Frazier lose the positions he has on his committee? Dade Phelan has said we have a moral obligation to hold everyone to a standard. He set this standard. Now they have a guy in their chamber. Will Dade Phelan say I'm not going to support Frederick Frazier's reelection? I can't do it. I can't get behind this guy. This guy had to plead down a felony that he committed so that he wouldn't just immediately get expunged from office. Well, I highly doubt it, but I will say this. After all of this comes out this week and the final, what has been reported in the media, actually happens and the plea is entered in and the guilty admission is done, Dade Phelan and Jeff Leach and Matt Shaheen and Justin Holland and Candy Noble will all have decisions to make. What are all those Republicans in Collin County going to say about their buddy, about their corrupt criminal buddy? Are they going to protect him? Are they going to stay silent? Who knows? Lastly, we're going to talk about the fact that Cat Park's the former vice chair of the Republican Party of Texas. Now understand that Kat Parks did not run for re-election. I do not think she actually would have gotten the votes to get re-elected. She represents a moderate wing in the GOP. And since leaving, she's basically just like led. Part of what she's doing is like leading in the organization of the resistance against Matt Rinaldi. They want to take out the entire faction of conservatives. It's not even just Matt Rinaldi, because understand Rinaldi represents is the face of the conservative side of the GOP. And so they'll attack him as much as possible. But if Rinaldi stepped down, another conservative would step up. And the and the delegates as a whole want a conservative leader. So Kat Parks represents this more moderate wing. She left as the vice chair. She's since kind of working with Dick Weekly and several other more moderate Republican donors across the state of Texas and organizing people. One of the reasons I tell you all to make sure you go to your precinct conventions after you vote to then go to your county convention and then go to your Republican precinct convention. It's literally right after 7 p.m. With your precinct chair, then you go to your county convention or your Senate district convention. If you're in a big county like me, Bear County and then you ask to go to the state convention, you can be a delegate, one of eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 people that are all going to come and help make a decision on the direction our party's going to go. And Kat Parks is trying to get people to go there so that she can move the party in a more moderate direction. But she came out this week, and it just reminded everybody why Kat Parks, like the fact that Kat, now that she's not a leader, and honestly, she's probably not going to try to run, in my opinion. She like knows I'm not going to be in party leadership. I couldn't get their support. But now that I'm working for these more moderate donors, Dick Weekly and others, I can kind of come out and say whatever I want to say. So she came out on Twitter and just said, look, I wish our abortion laws in Texas weren't so extreme. I wish we had exceptions, meaning I, I wish that children, if the way they were created determines whether I think they can be murdered or not, right? And then she said, do I think a six-week ban is too extreme? Absolutely. So she's mad that the smallest and youngest children that are unborn in Texas can't be killed. And these are basically the things she's saying. She's saying, hey, I'd be fine if, if a baby can live in the womb for 20 weeks, don't kill them. But if they've been only alive for four, five, six weeks, you know, take their limbs off. It's kind of disturbing. Depending on who their parents are, is their dad a good guy? It's a horrendously grotesque view of human life. It's disturbing. It is representative of this more moderate wing of the GOP that says, hey, I have these more moderate viewpoints on social issues. And Cat Parks does represent those. The reason they are speaking out more is because I believe they're upset by the conservative coalition that is clearly forming and building. More candidates than ever before across the state of Texas. More donors engaging than I've ever seen. More activists showing up. People coming to events all over the state of Texas. I was at an event in the Texas Hill Country that had almost 300 activists that came from all across the state to hear about how to get pornography out of schools and the battles going on in our public school system. These activists are awake, they're active, they're working, they're organizing. They're upset that the party has moved and is continuing to move in the right direction. And they're going to fight us tooth and nail. I'm grateful for a lot of these things that are happening. I'm grateful for the coalitions that are getting built. I'm grateful for the bridges that are being built. I'm grateful for the activists that are showing up. I'm grateful for the donors that are writing checks. I'm grateful for the candidates that are stepping in the arena. Even this week, I expect to see more candidates filing for office. Candidates that people didn't even have on their radar. That's the type of momentum we continue to see. It's not even done yet. We're not even done knowing how many contests there are going to be in the Republican primary. That is a good thing. If you're a conservative in Texas, there's a lot of reasons to be encouraged. But there is so much work to do. And that's what I talked about last week. If you didn't hear last week's episode, go back and listen to it or watch it. Are you ready for 2024? That's last week. This week, I'm just giving you an update on many things going on around the state of Texas. I really do hope you all have a great week. May God bless you, and may God bless the great state of Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.